Well, um, really uh, blessed this morning to have the Lord speak to us. Um, and, you know, I really believe that as, as we were singing that, you could feel the anointing on that. His name is wonderful, couldn't you? Because his name is the key. His name is the gateway to the land of blessings. Amen. And it, it doesn't just mean saying his name. It doesn't just mean tacking on in Jesus' name to our prayers. Uh, in actual fact, when you, you go into it and uh, study it, in his name literally means walking in him. Okay, uh, so praise the Lord. And, you know, well, I'm, I'm just hoping that that's that uh, lawnmower's off <laughs> for the day now. Praise God, because I don't want to be competing with it. Uh, but uh, praise the Lord. Anyway, so uh, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60. Um, this is going to be the second in the, the series, if you like, of the uh, Kings Will Come to You. We looked last week at some of this. We didn't get to finish it all, so hopefully we'll get more into it this week, maybe finishing it off. But really what we're looking at here is, and we were corrected last week because I was corrected when I said multitudes and nations are our destiny. And as I shared last week, the Lord had kind of rebuked me and said multitudes, nations, and kings. So it's so important to understand our calling is to kings. And I, I said this, um, I don't remember the exact place in Acts, but you can look it up. People always say, well, who was Paul called to? The Apostle Paul. And some people say he was called to the Jews, and others will say he was called to the Gentiles. Paul was called to three people groups, which was his own people, um, fellow Judites, the Gentiles or the nations, but also to kings. And we saw that, shared that last week about how the, the book of Romans is Paul addressing British royalty at the Palatium Britannicum in Rome. Anyway, Let's continue and, and see some stuff that I, I believe the Lord wants us to see. Uh, Isaiah 60, we've been using that as a launching pad for a while. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and great darkness the people, gross darkness the people, sorry. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. The glory is meant to be visible. The glory is meant to be manifest. And that doesn't just mean that when you turn up in your nice shiny suit or drive up in your fancy car, that people will say, oh, the glory of the Lord's all over them. I believe it, it literally means the supernatural glory. Amen. God's going to make us like the wee ready break boy. That glow is going to be all around us. Amen. And so people will see the glory, the glory of God upon us. Now, this is uh, verse 3. And the Gentiles shall come to their light. Gentiles is a made up word that just means nations. In Hebrew it just means nations. The nations shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Kings will come to us, the Bible says. And we're going to look at why they come. The purpose of their coming. Okay, From their point of view, but also from our point of view or God's point of view. Why would God send kings to the Isaiah 60 generation? Well, there's a very simple explanation for that, is that the Isaiah 60 generation are all kings. Amen. The Bible says that he has made us kings and priests. 
Amen. And we just think that's a nice wee way of God sort of patting us in our head and saying, oh, you know, that's how I think of you. I love you. You're my wee king. You know, you say that to your children. You're my wee princess or, well, to the boy, the girls anyway. You're my wee prince. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what he meant. He meant we're kings and priests in the Melchizedek order. In other words, we're just like him as he is, so are we in this world. And the reason why things are dark, the reason why there's gross darkness, is because he's addressing a generation that has to come into the revelation of who we are. Because the reason there's gross darkness, the reason there's darkness across the earth, is because the body of Christ hasn't understood or seen or walked in the revelation of who we really are. And when we do, and incidentally, if you go way back uh, to when we started Rise Scotland, that was a message we're trying to get across. And I remember as well, we were doing Zoom meetings at that time, and people were really struggling with us. I'm talking, people were really getting upset when you tell them that they have to start living like kings. Because... And, and if you remember Bert sharing it, and, and I shared it, and no others, you know, God does not want us living like beggars. You know, squalling and bullying. I spoke about prayer meetings. We go to prayer meetings, and, oh, Lord, we beseech you stuff. Now, you know, the prayer of desperation is not the prayer of faith. Amen. Amen. And, and God wants us to live by faith, not by desperation. Yeah, there's times we've all experienced it, where we've, we've cried out, okay, as I said, crying out yesterday. But we can't live from that place. And let me just say this to you. People say all the time, oh, well, you know, revival will only come to a people desperate for it. Well, folks, people have been crying out for decades, desperately. There has to be something else in the mix. And that thing in the mix is faith. And hope, hope doesn't mean, oh, I really do wish that would happen. Bible hope, the word hope in the Bible in the New Testament, means confident expectation to the point where you, you can demand it. You'll never get revival by begging for it, but you will get it by expecting it in a biblical way. Does that make sense? A confident assurance. Anyway, the nations will come to your light. And that's what David saw in that vision. And, and let me just say this. It's interesting to me what he saw and when he saw it, because I was much about the same age as a, as a teenager when I saw these things in vision. The nations coming. The multitudes coming. Amen? And we've got to have that vision. You know, what I'm doing in these... Saturday morning meetings is trying to cast that vision so that you'll catch it. Because, and I know some of you say, well, I remember having that when I used to go to church all those years. I don't see it in the church today, folks. I don't. Not to the same extent. There are pockets, certain people, you know, Reinhard Bonnke carried that flame for many years of multitudes, didn't he? And it was him that did the putting a track through every letterbox thing. You know, he had that vision. But, and I used to know a lot of people who would have that vision of multitudes. But it's lost. It's hold the fort for I am coming. It's settling for what we have. Oh, if we could only get up to 
40, 50 people, we could pay all the bills and we could have a nice wee meeting going. Yeah? Let's be honest. And any, anybody that, that's going to church for any more than five minutes will tell you that people die off. They do. I mean, I can think of people right now, some of them have done their funeral here. So there's always attrition. But when we allow the attrition, then it gets to the place where there's more going out than there is coming in. There comes a tipping point where you have to shut the doors. And many churches have reached that point, And a lot of them reached it in COVID. And I want to say this, and I might shock you, praise the Lord. Because some of them are long overdue for shutting. Amen? Some of those places should have been shut years ago. But folks, in general, we want to see growth, increase, multiplication, multitudes, harvest, people getting saved. We want to see that. And until we, you know, God's not going to come along one day while you're sitting watching EastEnders and drop that into your spirit. You have to stir yourself up and switch off EastEnders. We have to get harvest-minded if we're going to see it. So anyway, kings will come to you. And that's what I want us to focus on today, narrow it down to that. Now, why are they going to come? From their point of view, kings, kings of course, includes leaders, business leaders, civic leaders, presidents, prime ministers, city council leaders, business leaders, as I said, uh, leaders in every sector, seven mountain leaders. Why are they going to come? There's only one reason they ever come. Well, there's two reasons. One is money. And the second is you have something that they don't have, that they need. And if they had it, then they would be far more effective. Some of them will want it for their own, you know, their own use, their own manipulation type thing. But they'll quickly realize you can't have this on your terms. You can't have this for, for personal, you know, to improve your personal state for selfish reasons. Okay? Because uh, these things we're talking about are only available to people who are sold out to the Lord. And, you know, the great example for us is Solomon. We're going to turn to First Kings. Uh, if you go to First Kings chapter four, we looked at this last week. Um, Solomon is the type of the church. Solomon is a great example for us. in his early days, not his latter end. His latter end is a lesson for us to learn. It's a dreadful thing that the man who was the very apex, the pinnacle of old covenant blessing and glory, it was said of him he did evil in the sight of the Lord. That was the summation. So it's a terrible thing, but we're not looking at Solomon in his latter days when he had umpteen wives, okay? And us guys know that one wife is trouble enough. Amen? <laughs> Who needs all those extra wives and concubines? Amen? Who needs all them? Solomon went after all that stuff. Anyway, First Kings chapter 4, King Solomon was king over all Israel. Then it tells us of the princes that he had, which was, were over um, the, the, if you like, over his kingdom. And it said, verse 21, 
Well, verse 20. So Judah and Israel were many, as the sand which is by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and making merry. Judah and Israel were blessed. Okay? Just like we could say Scotland and England were blessed. Judah and Israel, one nation, but always identified in Scripture, well, often identified in Scripture as two separate components. Because, of course, at some stage they split. They split. Because the Solomon's going after all these wives and worshipping in high places, stuff like that. So, Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river, which is Euphrates, unto the land of the Philistines and unto the border of Egypt. They brought presents and served Solomon all the days of his life. That word presents is tribute or you could literally uh, translate it as they brought offerings or donations. Okay? Kings are coming to us. But they're not coming to us because we're peasants or we're just ordinary Joes. Kings are coming to the Isaiah 60 Christian generation because we're kings and priests. And they recognize that. Okay? People don't, kings will not come to, to, to ordinary people. Do you understand that? Okay. Kings don't, you know, the queen is not coming in here today. Because she's driving, but I like to look at that church. Oh, it's open, let's go in. That's not happening. Okay? Kings and leaders are only attracted to kings and leaders. That's just fact. That's reality. Okay? Um, that's why they're coming. And we're going to see that. Look what it says he reigned over all kingdoms. They brought presents, they brought gifts, they brought offerings, they brought donations. And serve Solomon all the days of his life. Who did? The kings and their kingdoms. The princes. All the kingdoms. Notice it doesn't say all the republics. Or all the democracies. Bear that in mind folks. Kings are coming to you and I. Because they recognize something we have that they don't have. Okay. They see a glory. That's what Isaiah 60 is all about. There's a light starts to shine. There's a glory starts to be manifest. And it's a magnet for kings. It's a magnet for everybody, but, it, but kings are mentioned. Okay? And here's another thing. Uh, if people come, but their kings don't, then their kings will impose upon them restrictions. Does that make sense? They'll stop them coming. When Jesus says, when you go into a place, look for the goodman of that city. In other words, look for the leader of that city. Because if you win a leader, then he is the gatekeeper to the people in that place. And that's why it's so important that we don't just win the people, but that we win their kings, their leaders, their rulers, their managers, whatever it is, okay? You know, uh, if there's a big business here and you want to go and preach the gospel into that, that place and there's you know, the Amazon factory. Yeah? We've got a big Amazon factory near us. If, if you want to go and spread the gospel in that Amazon factory, you can just walk in. But if the manager says, come in, we'll open the canteen at lunchtime, preach the gospel, start a wee church, a wee fellowship group. Hallelujah. Amen. You win the leader, you win, you win the place. Anyway, that's just an example. Let's read on this. Solomon's provision for one day was 30 measures of fine flour and three score measures of meal, 
10 fat oxen and 20 oxen out of the pastures. You thought you had a hard job making breakfast this morning. Okay, this is his daily provisions, okay? Uh, Solomon, look what it says here, verse 25. Well, verse 24, he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river. He had dominion. Israel, Judah and Israel dwelt safely. Every man under his vine, under his fig tree, from Dan to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. What does that mean? It means that nobody was struggling. They weren't struggling to pay their gas, their, their electric, their Morrison's bill, or for you posh folks, your Sainsbury's and Waitrose bills. Amen? They were all prosperous. You see, we're, we're the king, blessed of God and anointed of God, has dominion. There's a blessing. And you're kings and priests. There's so much here we could spend weeks looking at this. Solomon's 40,000 stalls of horses, 12,000 horsemen. That Those officers provided victual for King Solomon. And for all that came unto King Solomon's table, every man in his month, they lacked nothing. Do you know, the Lord said something to me. He's told me this before, but he quickened it to me the other day. And I, and I really have to share it. The Lord said this, church should be a place where people come to get money. Okay, we, we, we've got it all the way, all, all the way backward. Church, for us, is a place where we go to give money. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that at all. But there should also be a place, I'm going to, I'm going to share on this another time, where people come to get money. That's what happened in the early church. There were two groups of people in the early church. Those that had more than enough and those that didn't have enough. And the ones that had more than enough took their more than enough, laid it at the apostles' feet so that the ones that didn't have enough could go and help themselves. And God wants that brought back because that's what it was like in Solomon's kingdom. And you know, here's the thing. When you've got the begging bowl out to kings or to the government or to the council and you're looking for grants, yeah? A lot of churches, oh, we can get a grant. Folks, it's supposed to be the other way around. The council is supposed to come because the church has got all the money. Amen. They're the ones looking for grants. That's how it's supposed to be. That's why kings will come, because we have the power and the resources. That's what Isaiah 60 tells us. The wealth of a nation shall come to you. Let me just say this to you. Every politician you'll ever see in the TV or shake hands with, or they'll pat your baby on the head or whatever, every single one of them follows the gold. And that's why they'll follow all the way through the doors of church, right, and sit there and go, I need to learn some stuff. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Rather than us going to them and saying, oh, we, we, we need new windows. Oh, 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 we need a new roof. Can you, can you give us a grant? Folks, we've got it all backward. Watch what it says. They like nothing. 
Barley also and so on. Anyway, we need to press on this. There's a lot here to see. God gave Solomon, verse 29, wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. That's the other reason they'll come. The, the, the second thing I said, you've got something they don't have, wisdom. Wisdom is a magnet. Solomon was so wise that other kings, now, now we understand about kings, don't we? Kings are proud people. Kings are not humble folks, are they? Let's be honest. Business leaders. Amen? You, I could take you to places today where the rich live. Okay? Do you really think as we roll up in our 15-year-old cars and manage to negotiate the Bentleys and the Porsches or whatever it is in the driveway that they want to hear your advice? Think about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? We deal with reality, but then we, de- then we look at God's word and say, God wants to transform us into what his word says we're supposed to be and walk in so that we don't have to go there and give them a gospel tract. They're coming in here, parking their Porsches outside and saying, you have got something in here. And it's not just financial folks. It's not, don't just get the, the idea it's all money, money, money. It's wisdom. Okay, I know if I listen to this guy or I listen to that woman that I will be able to run my life better, my family better, I'll get my wife back, I'll get my business back on track. Do you understand? Wisdom. And then, of course, uh, Nicola Sturgeon and Boris, well, he's gone. He didn't listen to wisdom. So he's out. And I believe God gives them all an opportunity. But the thing is, the wisdom to run a nation... Every single person in here has that wisdom in them right now. It's not is it there, it's how do we access it? And then let God show others that you've got it. Because if you don't have it, there's a simple solution. Get born again and get the Holy Ghost inside you. Because the Holy Ghost in you right now can run this whole planet. Tell every single government leader and and run the planet like a sweetie as we would say. If they would only listen. If they would only listen. It's not that the ability is lacking. It's that there's so many don't want to hear. And here's the sad part. We don't allow ourselves to be vessels for that. And to allow him to release that wisdom. Do you really think, we put it this way. Jesus said, uh, a greater than Solomon is here. He was talking about himself. Folks, It's not Solomon that's living in you, it's Jesus. So every single one of us has in in ourselves the one who is greater than Solomon. Who gave Solomon his wisdom. Who blessed Solomon. I was reading about the modern day equivalent of Solomon's wealth. They, They brought him over a billion dollars in gold every year. He, his wealth is estimated well over a trillion pounds. Okay, and that's probably very conservative. Now, that's not to say, well, every single one of us should have a trillion pounds in our bank account. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that the word of God says, he's made us kings and priests. And Solomon is a great old covenant example of walking in that. 
because they came from all over just just to get a maybe a, 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 a proverb from spend five minutes with Solomon let him say a few things and it'll change your life you and I should be walking in that functioning in that so that the, the manager of the biggest business in Glasgow has you on speed dial I need your counsel or I need your prayers or could you just say a few decrees over my business could you come and lay hands on some of my top employees that's how this whole thing's meant to work folks Instead of us sitting, hiding, huddled in churches, hoping that Jesus will come back before they kick the doors down. They shouldn't have to kick the doors down because we're out there. Now, it's not just giving wisdom to business owners. There's the gospel. We know all that. But you understand what I'm saying to you is, is that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, which means, and that's, that's talking about the gates of hell being defensive we're not meant to be on defense we're meant to be on offense that doesn't mean to be offensive oh, but we're advancing it's onward Christian soldiers not backward Christian soldiers so anyway let's just read on I'm, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked by my own good preaching it says here so, uh, here's this Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt which is a metaphor for the world wouldn't it be great to be knowing that your wisdom was better than every single business guru out there every single government expert out there every single health uh, professional out there well let me tell you it does if you've got one of these and you meditate in it for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Israelite, and Heman, and Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Folks, that is a type of what God is looking for from you and I in this generation in a new covenant, which is a better one than that of old. Our wisdom should be known out there. And of course, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if somebody comes along and says, give me some wisdom. And you say, here it is. Fear the Lord. Amen. Fear the Lord. Invite Jesus into your heart. That's the starting point. All oh, right, great. I'll go do that right now. We make it complicated. Anyway, he spake of trees. And creeping things and fishes. He, 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 it wasn't just wisdom. He had great knowledge. Okay? You know, and I'm not saying going by all the. Remember the old week? Used to get these ebooks, the Observer Book of Birds and uh, Trees and all that. He, he just had this great wisdom and, and, and knowledge. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. But we're really looking at wisdom right now. Uh, there came of all people, verse 34. There came of all people. There came of all people. There came of all people, the nations shall come to your light. The nations, multitudes, people, people will come. There came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon, which is the light, isn't it? From all kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. When the Bible says to us in Isaiah 60, 
Kings are coming. What it's saying is you're going to walk in that level of wisdom and greater than Solomon did. Because and, and they didn't come here Solomon because Solomon was, uh, you know, some uh, somebody that had a wee business or somebody that was, you know. Solomon was a king. And incidentally, this is a, as a, an aside to all this. Solomon, David and Solomon in their reigns. Israel at that time was the great superpower of the earth. Okay, there's, there's some good uh, teaching on that, some, a, a couple of good books on that. They were the superpower of the whole earth. And all the other kings feared them. We don't read of Solomon having wars because he was so respected and admired for his wisdom. It was, it's a whole lot easier to go and spend an afternoon with Solomon if you're a king than go to war against him. Because how are you going to fight the wisest man on earth? With all that great power that he had, the military power, with all the finances that he had, and all the allies that he had. You see, folks, Solomon had favor. He was blessed of God and he had favor. God gave him favor with all the kings round about him. And that's why they came to him. The early church, it says of the early church, they had favor with all the people. We're not going to walk in Isaiah 60 without great favor. Amen. I'm not saying we won't be opposed. I'm not saying, but we'll, we'll look at that if we've got time today to see what happens to those who, who maybe think about opposing us. Let's go to chapter 10 of 1 Kings chapter 10. Now, I want to see, show you in this message that we're, we're to walk in what Solomon walked in. That's, that's key to all of this. We're to walk in what he walked in. 1 Kings 10 chapter 10 says, When the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, Concerning the name of the Lord. It wasn't, oh, Solomon's got all this power. He's got all this money. He's got all this. Concerning the name of the Lord. Well, let me just say this to you. You're not going to walk in this without a deep revelation of the name of the Lord. Something I love to teach on, and a lot of people don't know this, was that they built the temple. David spoke about it. Solomon built it. They built the temple to house the name of the Lord. To house the name of Yahweh. And they've actually found artifacts, they believe, from the temple or, or that era of Solomon's, and they're all stamped with, the, with Yahweh on them. They, they built a temple to house the name. Now why did they do that? Why does the Bible make that statement? That they built a temple to house the to, to, for the name of the Lord. Here's why. Because when you invoke someone's name, you invite their presence. Amen. The the temple had to have the name of the Lord stamped on it. It had to be built for the name. Because you can't just build, you can build a garden shed and say, Lord, fill this with your presence. Amen. But unless it's got the name of the Lord on it, does that make sense? You know, when I look at each one of you, 
I, 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 you can see someone's name. Am I right? You look at someone, you see their name. You don't go, oh, oh, is that, is that Jesse up there? You know, if you know them. Am I right? Because when you see somebody, what comes into your mind? Their name. And let's just say you were through there, Margaret. And I said, where's Margaret? She's not here. Margaret, you would come. So we invoke Margaret's name and Margaret's presence comes. That's why the temple was built for the name. Because you see, we praise you, Yahweh. That, that prophetic word that we had. His name is wonderful. When we praise his name, it said so in the word. His presence, he presences himself. I'm here in my name, they must need me. I'm here in my name, they must want me. I'm here in my name, I have to go there. So it's all about the name. So <coughs> Queen of Sheba, there's something about the name of the Lord. They praise the name of the Lord. And see that place that they built, it's covered in gold. You can't get into it. It's full of glory. I need to see that for my, myself. She came to prove him with hard questions. You know, folks, if we're going to walk in this, they're going to come and prove us with hard questions. If you don't believe that, just look at social media. All the people that come on the Christian sites. Some of them come with abuse, but some of them have hard questions because you have to prove the authenticity of what you carry. Amen. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how it's meant to be. You know, you can't just roll up and say, I'm a Messiah, or, or I've got this, or I've got that. Or you, you can't make claims you can't back up. So she's thinking, I've heard the famous guy, I'm going to go, I'll get some questions for him. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices, and very much gold, precious stones. When she was come to Solomon, she communed with him, of all that was in her heart. See we're supposed to walk in this. And we're supposed to be magnets. And when they come. They'll learn. But I mean I, I've had it. I'm, I'm sure you have. That you know, when people find out you're a Christian. When people find out you're a pastor. They don't even know you. They start to unburden. Don't they? They tell you private secret things. You don't want to hear most of the stuff they tell you. But why do you do that? Because of the glory. Because of the glory. Because of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in you. When they come into contact with that, they, they, then it, something in them begins to open up. Because man was made, mankind as that's men and women, were made for communion with the Creator. So they commune, she communed with Solomon. Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything held, hid from the king, which she told her not. When the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, their, their clothes, the way they were dressed, folks. 
and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord. He'd stairs apparently to get into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. She fainted. Why did she faint? Because she saw the excellence of the glory of Solomon's kingdom and Solomon's person and Solomon's servants and the setup. The, you know, um, the comportment of, of the people that served him. She, now she's a queen, Queen of Sheba, who apparently was not too shoddy herself. With all of these things. But when she saw Solomon, the wisdom, it says, when she's seen all his wisdom and the house that he had built. Now, the house that he had built, he had his own house, but there's also the house of the Lord. Folks, you and I are the house of the Lord in this generation, in, in this covenant era, in this dispensation. Yeah. When people see you, they ought to go, oh, oh, wow, something about them. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that we're all film star looks. Amen. As I said last week, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> We're not, you know, we're not walking about, oh, you know. It's not about that. It's about there's something about that. We've all seen it with, with people we know. I mean, particularly maybe people like Catherine Kuhlman, Smith Wigglesworth, maybe having to go a bit far back. There's something about the way they carried themselves. George Jeffries. There's something, oh, oh, they've got something. Folks, it's the anointing, it's the glory, isn't it? And it, and it just encourages us to walk in that, to go deeper in that, to, to, have, to have a heart of longing for more of that. Not so that people will say, oh, they're wonderful. Look how great he is. Look how wonderful she is. It's so that they'll say, look how wonderful he is in that person's life. Can I, can I have some of that in mine? Can I have some of that peace that's on their family in my family? Can I have some of that blessing that they walk in just in my life, even just for a short while, because all I've known is misery and sorrow. And, and by the way, the Queen of Sheba wasn't a slouch, that's what I'm saying, but when she saw it in Solomon's, oh wow. You know, I thought I was somebody. She's saying, till I met this guy. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Look at this. Howbeit how be I believe not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it and behold, the half was not told me. The half has never yet been told. That's what people should say when they hear about you, when they meet you. And go, They're even more wonderful than I thought. Than I've been told. There's, there's a kingly bearing, there's a queenly manner about that person. You understand? God wants us to function at that level. And it's not a condemnation if we aren't. It's an encouragement to us to say there's something greater than just going to church. There's something greater than business as usual. There's something greater than the routine that you've known. There's something greater than even the best blessed meeting that you've ever been in, rolling about the floor in a Holy Ghost trance 
and having great fun, there's something even greater, which is getting up off the floor and walking as a king and priest in the order of Melchizedek to the extent that it magnetizes the nations and kings and queens from those nations come and bow down at your feet and say, you've got something we need. Please release it to us. Give us of the wisdom. Give us of, just lay hands on us. Just speak a blessing on us. Just get, impart to us that, just a wee bit of what you walk in. And I know that will transform my life. It's not about bigging ourselves up, but it's about walking in what we're supposed to be walking in. Being who we're called to be. The calling, you know, many are called, we're all called to this, but few are chosen. You don't get chosen by just being glib and casual about it. You get chosen by dedicating your life to this. Solomon could have said, give me victory over my enemies. Solomon could have said, give me all the tons of money. Because <coughs> I could build an army. They said, give me wisdom to lead this people. And God said, oh, that, that pleases me. And see that other stuff he didn't ask for, it's yours. You see, when we go after the heart of God, because that was what God's heart was, that Solomon, because God requires of leaders that they have a heart for the poor, that they have a heart for the people that they lead. That's what God wants, and that's what Solomon had. And, and, and as a result of that, God, uh, Solomon jumped all the land out of poverty. The Bible says that silver and gold became as common as stones, in the land because Solomon prayed the right prayer. See how important it is to pray the right prayer. And of course, we messed up at the end of his reign, but we're not looking at that right now. But let's just read on. It says, Happy are thy men, the Queen of Sheba said. Happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. They're blessed because they're in your presence. Listening to what comes out of your mouth. Are people blessed with what comes out of our mouth? Amen. I know they're not always blessed with what comes out of mine. If it's grumbling and complaining and negative. But she says, the, 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 the folks that hang about with you, they're just blessed just for, for doing that. They're blessed going into work. Because what, you can say something that will transform their lives. They just pick it up, a phrase, and it... <laughs> Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee. Does God delight in us, folks? Now, we're all saved, we're all accepted in the beloved, but are we, are we doing things that delight him? And by that I don't mean religious works, reading your 25 chapters a day. I don't mean that. I mean our hearts. He delighted in thee to set thee in the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he, he thee king to do judgment and justice. Now listen to this. this. This lady is loaded. And she's met a guy who's got tons more than her. And let me just say this to you. Solomon didn't need to build a new church, church roof. And Solomon didn't need to buy himself a new gold chariot. Solomon wasn't needing anything from this woman. It wasn't that, oh well, you know, if you don't give, we're going to go off the air stuff. 
If you don't give today, we're going to have to close the church doors. Queen of Sheba. Okay? It wasn't, oh well, let's apply for grants. If, if, if you were in Israel, Solomon was the one giving the grants. So he'd nobody to go to. And he wasn't saying, let's have a telethon. Or let's put the buckets round again ourselves. Come on, let's get more money in. This is a guy they came to for money. So the Queen of Sheba could have said, you're good. I'm good. I'm off. Thanks for the wisdom. I'm going to use it to make myself richer, more blessed. It's been a pleasure knowing you, Solomon. I'm out of here. Look what it says. She gave the king 120 talents of gold. The guy who needed nothing, who lacked nothing. We've already read nothing lacking in Solomon's kingdom. The guy who didn't need it. She gave him 120 talents of gold, which to my knowledge is, well, let's just say millions and millions of pounds in today's money. Okay? 120 talents. Try to work out the tonnage of that. I forget the equation. And of spices, very great store. Watch this. And precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. To use a Glasgow vernacular, she weighed him in. She bunged him. Amen? Big time. But he didn't need it. Why did she do it? Because that was the response of her heart. Where your uh, treasure is. Yeah? Where your heart is. Where your treasure is. She said, I'm, he's blessed. I'm blessed because I listened to him. She gave him an offering. You know, I'm running out of time, so I'm probably this is going to get into another week because I still to get to you all the good stuff. Okay? This is just preliminary. It's not about money, folks. It's not a get-rich-quick thing. The nations shall come. The kings shall come. The Bible says in Isaiah 60, sons and daughters shall come. They'll bring their silver and their gold with them. What's happening here is that all that's out there in the Babylonian system, that's collapsing right now. That's collapsing right now. What's going to rise up in its place? Let me tell you, the golden age of God's kingdom here in Britain. You have to believe that because otherwise it's curtains. We have to believe it's wealth transfer, not just everything's going to be annihilated. The way they're talking, you know, we could be sitting here, standing here today, and we could be nuked any second now. And let me just say this to you. Some people believe, and I'm one of them, that some of our leaders actually want that to happen. It's part of their nefarious, satanic plan to destroy humanity. Okay, so is, is there a real threat of that? I believe there is. But folks, I'm more interested in what God says about the latter days and what they're meant to be like. When it says the latter days, all the nations, there it is, the nations again, multitudes, nations, and their kings. 
their leaders are going to say, let's go up to the mountain of the house of the Lord. Let's hear of his ways. Let's, let's learn some wisdom. Let's learn from uh, some stuff from those Christians. You know the ones we used to say were holy rollers? We used to mock them. Look how blessed they are. We need what they've got. So the challenge today, folks, is very simple. Are we going to believe and contend for this? Are we going to start walking in this? Amen. And I don't mean go out there, go to the car dealers and load yourself with credit so you can drive a nice car so all your friends and neighbours can say, oh, they must be doing well, be Christians. Look, they're driving a nice big mountain now. Mm-hmm. Amen. Do you understand? It's not about... It's not about putting on a show. It's not about pretending. Uh, you know, I remember the story, I'll just very briefly share it. Uh, John Avanzini shared this story. I met him when he came to Glasgow, uh, came to Glasgow years ago. And he said, the, the guy, don't let's have another pastor, had a guy in his church who rolled up to the, ca- the church parking lot with this big Cadillac and the uh, number plates, license plates prayed for and people saying where'd you get that car, that's wonderful he went, look at my license plates prayed for, I prayed for oh the Lord has blessed me well a few months later he comes in with this old banger clunk clunk, parts are up the back of the parking lot and people says to him Where's all prayed for? And he said, they've repossessed it. (laughs) He meant, why? You bought it in check? Yeah? So his pastor says to him, I don't don't know if it was John Abbott or or his pastor said to him, well, tell you what you do. Get your your face in this this book. He says, the next time you buy a Cadillac, you can get new number plates. Paid for. Amen. And that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about oh, pretending. Or we're, you, know, you know those Christians, don't you? And, you know, come to Jesus and, and, and you'll be blessed. You'll never know another day's trouble in your life. That type of thing. We're not, we're not doing that. Amen. Or the, the opposite is those folks that, hello, I'm a Christian. Do you want to become a Christian? You can be as happy as me. <laughs> no, they, they see the glory. You don't have to fake it. And, you know, you certainly shouldn't be hiding it like those folks. The point I'm trying to say is, are we going to start walking in what God wants us to walk in? And, 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 and Solomon, now I'm going to leave it there. We'll just, we'll just finish off this wee section. The navy also of Hiram that brought gold from Ophir, verse 11, brought in from Ophir great plenty of almug trees, precious stones, and the king made of the almug trees pillars for the house of the Lord. He took offerings and and for the house of the Lord. See that? Wasn't for his own benefit. And for the king's house, harps also and psalteries for singers. Uh, And then uh, verse 13, King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. 
So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now, this is interesting. We'll just close with this, okay? We'll pick it up again next week now. The Queen of Sheba comes. She faints because she sees the glory of the king's house and of the house of the Lord. Or what little of it she was allowed to see. Yeah? Being a foreign queen. And she says, I've got to give a massive gift to you. Because I'm in the presence of greatness. Okay? She didn't have to do it. He wasn't going to miss it. But she did it out of honour. But it also says that Solomon gave her. Do you see that? Solomon gave her all her heart's desire, all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside what she gave her of his royal bounty. Isn't that amazing? You see, just because kings are going to come and they're, they're, going, to, they're going to give tribute, the wealth of a nation shall come to you, it says in Isaiah chapter 16. Doesn't mean to say that all we do is take and hoard. Because it's the Abrahamic blessing in action, friends. Okay, blessed. Blessed beyond measure. The Bible says Abraham was very rich in cattle, silver and gold. But what did God say to him when he blessed him? He said, you're blessed to be a blessing. So it's not about selfish hoarding. It's not about, oh well, they'll all come and, and, and we're all going to be rich. We're all going to be driving big cars. We're all going to be living in mansions. Um, you know, we're not talking that type of prosperity message. Okay? We're talking about funding the kingdom. And you know, nobody lacked in Solomon's kingdom. <clears throat> like I said, I'll go back to saying it. We'll close with this. This should be a place. Every church that's a true New Testament church should be a place where people come to get their needs met. And that includes if people out there need money. Amen. It's as simple. It's not, oh, well, we've, saved, we've, we've kept some baked beans, savers, baked beans for Morrison's. Just have a wee food bank in case they're needing some to eat them in their wains. Folks, we need to get out of that mentality. Well, it's not, it's not what, what man calls charity. Yeah, well, we gave her the bare minimum. You can have some of our old clothes that we took at the bottom of our wardrobe. And that's okay, you know, we've done all that. We've done it here in this church for the homeless and so on. But folks, what it should be is that we all go to Slater's and we all go to Marks and Spencer and we, all, and we see someone comes in and say, you look like you could use a new suit, sir. Go and help yourself. There's plenty in there that fit you. That's what church should be. Okay? The best of stuff. And people come in, I can't pay my mortgage. How much you need? Amen. How much you need? Listen, some churches that I know of have walked in that. Anyone here need their mortgage paid this month? Oh, yes. Right? Get, get the money out of the offering. Now, I'm not saying at that level, I'm not saying we'll start doing that tomorrow in our service. But I'll tell you what, I'm believing God that we will have that. We will have that, that there's that much that we can be a blessing. Because the Bible didn't say, Abraham, you're going to bless some folks. What did it say that Abraham would bless You'll be a blessing to every family on earth. That's the Abrahamic blessing. Amen. Well, I'm going to have to...
stop it there. We'll pick this up again next week. You can still get any of the good stuff about all this. Not that this isn't going to be wonderful, but there's even more to come, folks. So praise the Lord.